Welcome to Doodly Dang Thing, the podcast where we get you ready for birth and parenting. Today we're talking about sex. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast is for informational purposes only. If you have any medical issues, please consult your care physician. Hey everyone, this is Ashley, your doula. I'm here with my sister, Natasha. Hello, hello. Today we're talking about a subject matter that's a little taboo, but super important to talk about. Oh yeah. Natasha, we're going to answer your worries and concerns about having sex after birth. Let's do it. Because it's legitimate. It's a legitimate concern. Like you had this baby that potentially came out of your vagina and now something has to go into your vagina and it's supposed to feel good. But is it going to feel good? We're going to talk all about that. I have a lot of questions. So let's go. Let's dig in. Let's dig in. All right. So first off, I think the main question, what's the timeline? How long do you have to wait? Is it different if you have a C-section versus vaginal birth? Great question. So there's a lot of sort of old information that we still follow. And there's some new information that you should definitely follow. So before it was like six weeks. Don't do put anything in there. Don't do anything until six weeks after you give birth. The reason being is because you're at a higher risk of infection. Your placenta was attached to your uterus. And where it's separated, or I shouldn't say separated, but where, where it came unattached, there's an open wound there because all of your blood vessels were feeding the baby through the placenta, right? So now you have this open wound in your uterus. You potentially had some tearing or stitches or an episiotomy or some sort of birth trauma to your vagina. And so now you need time to heal. So doctors and, and midwives like to recommend six weeks. Now, depending on what happened during your birth, if it wasn't very traumatic or there wasn't a lot of injuries, you could be safe to have sex after two weeks. After two weeks, your risk of infection goes down significantly. Oh, wow. And so that is a possibility. But the real reason that you wait is to make sure you're comfortable. Like, wait as long as you need to. Don't don't have a timeline in mind and be like, okay, I have to have sex tonight. Wait until you're ready because... Not only do you have physical things going on with your body after birth, but you also have a lot of mental and emotional things that come up that might make you feel a little uncomfortable. So the main amount of time to wait is when you and your partner are both ready to start having sex again. And is there any hormonal factors in that? And are the hormones different from the two-week mark versus the six-week mark? So hormones are really interesting when it comes to sex because... The same hormones can make one person not want sex at all, and they can make the other one want sex all the time. So it kind of just depends on how your body's reacting to those hormones. Sometimes when women are breastfeeding, they have a lower sex drive, but sometimes they have a super high sex drive. So it just depends on how it's going to affect you. Okay. And And, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but make sure that you're talking about it with your partner. Make sure you're keeping that line of communication open so that way they know where you're coming from. You know, it's easy to take sex stuff personally, Mm -hmm. like so easy. So (laughs) just keep an open line of communication. Keep an open mind. Remember that you're both going through a lot. And yes, if you gave birth, your body is going through a lot. But also if you're a partner, your partner is going through a lot emotionally, too. Mm -hmm. so 
just keeping it open. Um, jumping back to the timeline thing a little bit. So two weeks if everything went flawlessly and <laughs> is easy breezy. What are the timeline differences for somebody who had, say, an episiotomy or some tearing or a C-section? So if you had tearing and you required stitches or you had a C-section that required stitches, you're going to want to wait until you get the okay from the doctor. They need to look at the stitches and make sure everything's healing well, make sure they didn't open up again. Um, when you have that incision there, you know, it's there that can get infected too. So anything you put there on your incision site or your stitches uh, puts you at risk for an infection. So we want to make sure that the doctor looks at it or the midwife looks at it and everything looks good and healed before you start to try to have sex. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't have, you know, oral sex or, you know, they can't put their finger around it or whatever. You can do like stuff on top and not like on the actual vag vaginal opening. You can do those types of things. But anything that's touching your incision site or even like anal sex, like it gets near where the incision is and if it slips, then that's a big, big uh, infection in invitation. Mm -hmm. So we just want to make sure everything stays clean as possible. Okay. And then is there any pain expected the first time? Or if there is pain, is, is that a sign of an issue? So if you have pain, it shouldn't feel painful. You might have a little bit of discomfort. You know, people like to use that word discomfort. That means different things to different people. But like kind of like when you first had sex the first time, it might have that kind of a feeling. Um, but if you have pain and you're like, this hurts really bad, then definitely go seek the help of a pelvic floor specialist. Your doctor might be able to help you, but just go to the, the pelvic floor specialist. They know what's going on and they know how to help you the best. And chances are your doctor would just refer you to one of those anyway. Um, you're at a higher chance of pain during sex if you had a C-section, especially an emergency C-section. Um, I'm not sure why, but it's just what they say. <laughs> That's what studies show. So Interesting. I don't know if it's the way they stitched you up or the way they cut open. You know, it messes with your pelvic floor differently. And your pelvic floor is so important in sex and birth and all of those things. And just life in general, it's a very important muscle group in your body. And so the way they, they cut and where they cut depends on how it's going to make you feel after sex. So even if you had a C-section and you had sex and it hurts and you're like, why does it hurt? Weird. That's totally normal. Go get help from a pelvic floor specialist. Okay. What are some of the changes that could happen to your pelvic floor that do affect sex? Oh, a lot of them. What do you mean? Can you be more specific? Like I guess I don't. Billions of changes. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Like, are there things that are like fairly common and it's like, oh, do this quick fix and then somebody doesn't need to go to a specialist or would you recommend always kind of making sure that it's looking I at mean, holistically? Definitely better to go get checked out because what if it's not what you think it is and then, you know, you cause more damage than help. Mm -hmm. So they say, you know, do kegels. Well, what if you're doing kegels the wrong way and then you're making it worse? Yeah. So going to a specialist will help make sure you're, do you're for one, helping the situation. You're doing it right and you're doing what needs to be done to make you better. 
Otherwise, you could be just spinning your wheels, wasting time that you could be feeling better. What is the process of going to a pelvic pelvic floor specialist look like? It's a tongue twister, right? Yeah. I keep messing up to my pelvic floor floors. Okay, I'm sorry. What did you say? <laughs> what is what does the experience of going to a pelvic floor expert look like? So they're gonna go. You're gonna go there, and they're going to want to check stuff out down there. So they will you know, insert fingers or, you know, instruments. They have different tools that they use to help with certain things. They have different tools that they could give you to take home or that you can purchase that will help you with certain things. And uh, they're going to just test your strength and test your, um, test how everything's going, going on down there. And then they'll tell you ways to fix it. And then because they're going inside, is it different than insertion during sex? Because it's like, cleaner or is that something that you should still wait two weeks before going to see somebody so you're gonna have to call them and find out what their policy is and when they want you to wait and when they feel like they can help you best okay great and then okay off of the pelvic floor specialist we're done we already made our appointment is sex going to feel different for you and is sex going to feel different for your partner so most likely, probably. Like in a cool way? Is it hot <laughs> so, dog in a okay. hallway? <laughs> oh my gosh. Hot dog in a hallway? Actually, no. That's kind of a myth, actually, which is interesting. So the way the way birth works with your pelvic floor is it actually kind of moves it in a way that makes it feel tighter when you have sex. So that can either be a good or bad thing, depending on how you felt before and how your partner felt before. Um, Tightening of the pelvic floor is not always a good thing. Sometimes it means that things are out of whack and it causes more pain in your body. Or, you know, you could have some prolapse issues. Like all of these things are potentials after birth. So it doesn't feel like a hallway. That's (laughs) That's a myth. It actually might feel tighter tighter doesn't always mean better so that just depends on you know what's going on in your bedroom okay and then is it different for a little bit and then goes back to normal or is it this is what your vagina is going to feel like forever no it definitely changes but it does take a long time I will say that and like after so like your actual like inside of your vagina might be feel tighter but the outside feels looser somehow. It's strange and it gets noisy. Like even when you're like walking around, like you <laughs> might, I'm serious. Even when you're walking around, you might hear your vagina making noise and you're like, what is that? Very cute. What are noises? Like, it's a, cute? <laughs> like as a joke, it's weird. Um, but is it noisy? Like squeaking? What noises are we going to be like looking out for? Like flapping in the wind. Um, (laughs) oh my gosh it makes flapping noises um like how do I explain those noises like sticking flapping noises okay cool so on that note (laughs) when you're feeling uncomfortable with your new body (laughs) how do you 
<laughs> I just want to point out that this doesn't last forever and it does go back to normal, but it takes a long time. What does a long time mean? Like a maybe year? a year or two. Okay. So just be prepared. It's going to be like that for a little while. It's not going to last forever. And then it will go back to, you know, it's tough to say if it goes back all the way to normal because it's been so long, you know, that healing process took so long, but it does go, go back to not making noise and feeling like a new normal. Okay. And how loud is this noise? Is it like somebody has loud pants on or is it like only if you're alone in your home? Can you hear it? Honestly, I don't know, because you know how you're really (laughs) sensitive to like what is going on with your body sometimes like uh-huh. you hear or smell things that other people might not even notice mm-hmm. so I don't know okay all I know is I was walking <laughs> around and I could hear my vagina oh, no. this is a new thing I never heard of nobody before. talks about this but I've heard it from quite a few people so it's not just me name everyone no, just kidding. <laughs> never that is so funny Wow, there's so much things that we don't know. Oh, yeah, for it's sure. wild. Okay, cool. Great. So that's a good learning for the day. Yep. Um, okay, so your body's changing. Things are making noises, feeling different. So, I mean, and you've been through this trauma, essentially, through childbirth. I guess potentially, not essentially. Yeah, potentially. Um. So what are some tips you have to kind of feel good in your body again? That is a tough one because some people after they give birth feel incredible about their bodies. They're like, wow, my body just made a human being. I'm incredible. I'm a sex goddess. I am gorgeous. That's what I hope I feel like. Yeah, some people feel like that. Some people don't. Some people see different things happening. Everything's a little looser. Everything's a little saggier. Everything's different places. And so to normalize your body and to feel confident in being naked or allowing anybody to touch you or anything like that, it's important to normalize what's going on. And what I mean by that is look at your body in the mirror naked. That's not easy all the time. That's not what we want to see all the time. But when we normalize what we look like, we stop looking at the imperfections and we start looking at things that we like if we choose to. So look at your body naked in a mirror And find something, anything, even if you think you look disgusting, even if, you know, whatever's going on in your head, find at least one thing that you like. And it can even be an an emotional trait. It doesn't always have to be physical because you can build up to, to finding things you like about yourself physically. So look at yourself in the mirror and say, wow, look at that. That's really cool. I like that. Or look at what my stomach did. Look how big it grew and it grew a human. Wow, I really like that aspect of my body now. And just keep doing that and build upon it every time. Do it for, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes, however long you can. And find all of the, all of the things that you think are good and positive about your body. And then build upon that and add more and more and more positive things. Nice. I mean, that's something I think we could all do any time in our life. Yeah, definitely. 
Also, if you want to get your partner involved to help you and you feel like they're involved with, uh, their involvement will make you feel better, you can ask them to say specific things about what they like about your new body. So the more specific, the more meaningful it, it becomes. If they just say, you're hot, well, you don't feel hot, so that doesn't really help, mm -hmm. right? But if they say, you know, I really like how you have this little curve right here now. It looks really sexy when you do this or that. The more specific it is, then you're like, oh, really? Oh, wow. Okay, cool. That's nice. Yeah, so that can help also if you need some outside influence mm -hmm. to make you start feeling better. Okay, cool. And then when you start having sex, what are the physical changes that you can expect? Are you drier? Are you, like, I know everything will feel different, but is there anything that we need to start incorporating? Like, do we need to start using a lube if you didn't have one before? Or is there anything else people should be thinking about? Definitely use a lube. Your hormones for breastfeeding do make you drier. And so even if you're not nursing, like we talked about before, your body will still start producing milk. So you're still going to have that hormone flip-flop. So definitely get a lube. Um, water base is best, especially if you're using condoms, because you still can get pregnant even right after having a baby. Just want to throw that out there. Make sure you are using some sort of protection if you don't want to get pregnant again right away. Water-based lube is great for um, condoms. It doesn't deteriorate the rubber. Um, you can use some oils, natural oils, uh, as a lubricant. The thinner the oil, the better. The thicker ones tend to clog pores and can cause infection in and of themselves. So making sure that you find a lube that works for you and use it. <laughs> oh, also, I didn't go through all the other stuff. I was like, yeah, just use lube. <laughs> Tons of other stuff. So the same hormone that causes orgasms, oxytocin, is the same hormone that causes your milk to come out. So it's normal during an orgasm or when you're aroused even to have milk coming out of your breasts. Oh, gosh. So prepare for that. Either enjoy it and think it's funny or fun and, and like that or put a bra on or, you know, do it in the shower or whatever makes you feel more comfortable. But that will happen uh, when you're aroused. Interesting. That brings me to another point. Is it weird? So like your boobs and your body has went from like this sex thing for your partner to a feeding tool for and like a creation of this baby like is it common to be like I feel like it would be like don't touch my boobs those are bottles now like is that a common thing yeah Any that's tips? common that's common it's also common to kind of get turned on when you're breastfeeding your baby that's also normal because it's the same hormones so a lot of different feelings are all considered normal. So if you feel like, no, don't touch those. Those are for my baby now. That's normal. If you are feeling extra aroused because of it, that's normal. There's, there's no real, like, quote unquote, normal reaction to breast play after having a baby. So just go with however you're feeling and just have open communication again with your partner so they know what their boundaries are and what your limits are and just go with it and it's all okay all right 
get wild in those sheets. Milk everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I feel like we've talked a lot about like one's body without even talking about all these external factors that are happening now. There's a baby crying. Also might be in that same room as you. How do you manage that? How do you kind of get in the zone and focus on the action or even make time for having sex? Yeah, good questions. So having a baby in the room sometimes makes people feel uncomfortable, but they don't know what's going on. They're a newborn. They don't know what sex is. They don't even really know what hugging is. You know what I mean? So like Mm -hmm. they're, they're not looking at you like, what is going on? So I know we kind of put our own ideas into the baby, but the baby doesn't have an idea of what sex is yet. When it comes to that, if you feel uncomfortable, you can turn the baby around so they can't see or turn the crib or bassinet around or, you know, put them on the other side of the room so they're not right next to you. If that kind of weirds you out, that's totally fine and normal to feel like my baby's right here. Mm -hmm. I know I will feel like that for sure. Yeah, Even so when there's dogs in the room, I'm like, the dog's looking at us. Yeah, so just, you know, put turn them around so they can't see and go about your business. As long as you're not being too loud, they're not going to startle awake or anything like that. Try to be, you know, respectful of the baby sleeping. <laughs> but babies also like a lot of noise. So even if you are making a little bit of noise, baby, in when they were in your tummy, they liked hearing noise. That's what they heard all the time. That's what they're comfortable with. So cute. All that white noise that they had all the time. So don't worry about making noises. Screaming, obviously, that might scare your baby <laughs> if that's what happens in your bedroom. I don't know. But make sure that, you know, you're okay with making a little bit of noise because they're okay with it mm-hmm. and they're comfortable with noise. Okay. And then as far as finding time, once you guys get into a rhythm and you're kind of comfortable, your body is healed, you feel ready to have sex again, you will find time. It won't be as easy as before the baby, but babies also sleep a lot. And if you're finding that you're just too exhausted to have sex, you just cannot do it, that means you need to ask for help. That means you're doing too much. Because if you can't enjoy your relationship with your partner and enjoy that aspect of your life without feeling like it's a burden and before you enjoyed it that means that you are doing too much great point and I also will say this if your partner's like I want to have more sex I want to have more sex and they're not lifting a finger to help you Mm -hmm. and making you do everything on your own That's not going to work. How does that work? You can't do everything and then also do everything for them. sex (laughs) goddess. Yeah, so everybody needs to pitch in. You need to ask for help. And that's how you're going to make time. Also utilizing quickies. Obviously, that's not like what you want to do all the time. But having a quickie eases that urge and it kind of gets you to the next time where you can actually have like a nice, long, relaxing enjoyable experience in sex. I definitely don't recommend only having quickies because then you're not getting all of the emotional and connective responses that happen during sex. But having a quickie once in a while is great and it gets everything going and it kind of creates a reminder to be connected with one another. And you're going to know when your baby is 
going to be sleeping or awake for the most part. You know, they always surprise us all the time, but for the most part, you're going to have a good idea about what your baby's schedule is going to be like. So don't start having sex when they're about to be hungry and going to start crying in a second. That'll just set you up for failure. Put them down, make sure they're fed, changed, um, put them down for a nap in a safe place, and then go try to have sex. Because then that gives you a little more time. Because mm-hmm. newborns don't sleep for a ton of time at, at one time, but, but you know, it doesn't have to always be super long. You can always schedule sex. A lot of people say that. I know. But I get it. You cannot. I totally get it. But hear me out. <laughs> because, yeah, if you schedule sex and, and it's like, all right, well, Hop we're on. supposed to have sex now. Take off your pants. Yeah, that really sucks. But if you make it exciting and like you flirt with each other all day and it's like, oh, I can't wait and all this stuff and you make it feel sort of like a vacation you're looking forward to, then it's not as bad. And scheduling sex doesn't mean you can't have spontaneous sex. It just makes sure that you guys make time for each other to come together and to enjoy one another in that way. Okay. So on your calendar, instead of writing in sex, you can say, vacation, 20 minutes. (laughs) 20 minutes. No one has time for that when they have a kid. 10 minutes. (laughs) Oh, no. That's not true. That's lies you're all telling yourselves. No, you'll have time. You'll find time. It's not as easy, I will admit, but you will find time. And, yeah, making it fun instead of like, okay, it's time now. We have to have sex. Yeah. Flirting throughout the day, like making it like an exciting event, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I guess that, I mean, it's kind of nice too because, yeah, you don't have as much time to do stuff. Like you don't leave the house, but you're just sitting there with this baby all day, I'm assuming. So, yeah, I mean, babies sleep a lot and you'll probably have more time for sex when they're babies than when they're older. Hate to break it to you. All right. Get it in now, ladies. Okay. You mentioned a little bit how, like, if your partner wants a bunch of sex and you don't, how do you kind of navigate through that, like, that differential? So, like, you said also, like, maybe I want to have sex a million times a day. And he's like, I'm tired. Please relax. Like, how do you kind of work through that and finding your pace together again? Well, that's going to be through a lot of conversation. It's going to be a lot of grace with one another, being patient with one another, not taking anything too personally, which is so hard, like we already talked about, but not creating a story in your mind about what the other person is feeling. So let's say one of you has a super high sex drive and the other doesn't. Don't say, well, they don't like me because now I'm different or now this is different or it's because of the baby. Like, Don't make things up unless it comes from their mouth because they might be feeling something completely different. Mm-hmm. So I think just trying to keep your mind in check and your emotions in check surrounding it. And also, if you're having a lot of trouble, seek the help of a sex therapist. And then maybe they can give you some tips and tools to kind of get back on that same track. Nice. Speaking of sex therapists and other kind of people who can help you around sex after birth, what are kind of the areas where people might have issues and who should they go to? So we have the pelvic floor expert, we have a sex therapist, 
Are there any other people who can help in this process if needed? With sex? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, obviously, if you have an infection, go to a doctor or, or a would midwife. That, would that be the doctor? Like, would you just go to your OB? You could go to an OB or you can okay. go to any doctor. Infection is infection, and most doctors are familiar with recognizing infection, and so they can help you with that, too. And then mentally, you're having sex. (laughs) Then your baby cries. What's the move? Do you go stop sex, go to the baby, or do you just eye on the prize, block that baby out? That depends on what's going on. If you know your baby is fed, they're in a safe sleep space, they are changed, and you kind of have an idea of what their schedule and rhythm is already, then they're just going, that's not crying. And a lot of babies make those noises in between different sleep cycles. So they may still be asleep. If they're Mm. screaming, crying, and you're like, okay, that's like a real cry, something is wrong, and they keep doing that for like a minute, then maybe go check on the baby. So it just depends. Okay. But if your baby's safe, you know your baby's safe, and, I mean, if you're almost done, then just finish and then go help the baby. That's what I would do, but... (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I would not... That would not work for me. I'd be like, what? Well, it just depends on the situation. Yeah. Also, you're an expert. You've had so many kids. (laughs) (laughs) not that many no more than me three more than me okay great is there anything that I didn't ask that people should be thinking about oh is there a lot of blood in having sex for the first time after a baby after you stop bleeding after from giving birth you might have some spotting but if you have bleeding definitely talk to your doctor about that You shouldn't be, like, having tons of blood right after having sex. Okay. And how long will the spotting typically last for? Oh, just, like, a a time or two. It should only be, like, a few times. Okay. It's kind of like when you first started having sex, you know? It's, like, similar to that projection. Okay. How do you know if there is an issue and you need to see somebody professionally? Great question. If there's any pain during sex, or if you have any pain in general, go see a doctor or the pelvic floor specialist. So any signs of infection are like fever, increased pain that you didn't have before, uh, any sort of smells or oozings or anything like that, definitely go see your doctor or midwife for antibiotics because it sounds like an infection. (laughs) If you have any pain during sex, Go see a pelvic floor specialist. They can help you with that. You don't have to suffer through painful sex. Nobody wants that. I want you to enjoy your sex life with your partner, especially after a baby, because that's a great way to reconnect. After a baby, when you're busy and you're, you're running around all over the place, it's nice to be able to come together in, in that. Not necessary, of course, but it is nice. Um, if you have a lot of bleeding after, like we kind of talked about, you can have a little bit of spotting, but any bleeding... We want to get checked out because that might mean something's going on. And if it just doesn't feel right, like you're having sex and like it just feels weird. Like you can't explain it. You don't know what's going on. It just feels 
different in a bad way and you're not enjoying it and it's making you feel worried or uncomfortable, go see a pelvic floor specialist. They can either help you if something's wrong or they can put your mind at ease if nothing is. And they can say, oh, it looks great down here. Go have sex and it's great. Wow, what a star vagina. Congratulations. (laughs) Yeah, that's what they're going to tell you. No, I'm just kidding. But um, but yeah, if it just doesn't feel right or something feels like in the wrong plate, I don't know, you just like feel like uncomfortable, go see a pelvic floor specialist. Also, if you have an inability to orgasm, talk to the doctor about that. You can talk to the pelvic floor specialist about that too or the doctor about not being able to orgasm and they can look in to see what the, the problem is. Is that only if it's new that after birth you can't orgasm or is that beneficial if you had trouble orgasming before birth as well? I mean, if you've ever had problems, yeah, go get it checked out and see what's up. Cool. Because you should be having an orgasm. Straight from Ashley's mouth to your ears. (laughs) (laughs) Have orgasms, everybody. (laughs) Okay, so you mentioned a little bit about one partner or the other not wanting to have sex or the potential of hormones kind of making your sex drive lower. Is there any signs that people should be watching out for if you're to decide if your lack of sex drive is from hormones or from potentially postpartum depression? Oh yeah, for sure. So not wanting to have sex is not necessarily a sign of depression. Depression is when you are either feeling like you don't care about anything, you are angry all the time or emotional all the time, and you just feel like nothing matters and you don't care about anything, you feel like a bad mom, you feel like your baby doesn't like you, or you're feeling really anxious about different things. Postpartum anxiety is very common as well. I know a lot of people only hear about postpartum depression, but postpartum anxiety is also a big issue, and that's when you're kind of worried about everything all the time. You can't put the baby down. You don't want anybody holding the baby or touching the baby. Nothing's clean enough. You have to clean the baby more because they're dirty. Like, it gets kind of like that kind of a a mental circle and a mental loop. Like, you kind of panic about everything. Those are signs that something else is going on, and it's not just about connection with your partner or sex. So definitely go see somebody, go talk to somebody, join a, a support group, whatever you feel comfortable with, um, and and talk about it with somebody who can help you because you don't have to live that way. You can feel better. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you're a bad mom. Definitely not. That's like a big stigma out there. Like people think they're a bad mom if they don't feel joy after bringing a baby home. That is so wrong and not true. It has nothing to do with your capacity or abilities to be a mother. Way to go. Or parent, because also um, dads have postpartum depression and anxiety too. Just want to throw that out there. And that's not post. That's not hormonal or anything. That's just it not can feeling be triggered. Adequate. It can be triggered by hormones. Yeah. So a lot of things go into those those feelings. It can be triggered by hormones. It could be, you know, it's just hard. It could be your you're overexhausted, all of these things, you know, fears get in the way, everything kind of culminates into these diagnoses and these feelings. And so it doesn't say anything about who you are as a person. It's all of these things combined together that are causing these issues for you. Is there any level of like sleep deprivation or anything that affects things sexually? Yeah, for sure. 
Do you want to have sex with someone when you're so tired you can't even keep your eyes open? No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, being tired, like, you're not going to want to, you're going to be grumpier. You're going to be short-tempered. You're going to, you know, be more emotional. You're going to be not wanting to be doing anything physical. So, yeah, definitely being tired has a big, huge impact on your sex drive. Yeah, now that you say it's kind of a no-brainer. You mentioned when you were talking about having sex. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. You mentioned earlier about kind of connection with your partner as part of sex. And I know you help a lot of people with intimacy and connection outside of sex as well, especially for people who might have to wait a little bit longer, um, wait potentially up to that six weeks. Any tips on, like, I think for the people, I know I'm like this. If I don't feel a connection to my partner, I'm also not wanting to have sex with them. So is there any tips from an intimacy perspective? Oh, yeah, for sure. As part of my Bump Up Birth Method, I created Bump Up Intimacy. And in there, we talk about how intimacy is the main gateway for wanting to have sex with someone. And it's not always needed. You can have intimacy without sex and you can have sex without intimacy. But when you're in a relationship, melding those two together is so important for creating a family dynamic that feels cohesive and like you're, you're all on the same page. And so when we are intimate with someone, that means we have an emotional connection with that person. It has nothing to do with sex. So even if you're not having sex at that time or you're just not comfortable yet or whatever it is, you can still feel connected and on a deep emotional level with your partner and that will create similar feelings and it will also lead you to being more comfortable with having sex in the future. So building up those things as you go. In Bump of Intimacy, I have a bunch of tips and tricks and, and ways to make it really easy and just steps you take that, that just make it a no-brainer. So keeping those lines of communication open Um, physical touch doesn't have to be sexual Um, all kinds of different things just having fun together all those things bring you closer together and make having sex easier right that's really helpful and I think I mean when you're I mean at any time in your life when you're not having sex with your partner there's a tendency to kind of feel a little bit more disconnected so I think even in the interim of like doing those little things when you are ready to have sex, it will make it that much easier. For sure. No question about it. Cool. Is there anything that I didn't ask that we should be talking about or sharing with our listeners? I don't know. You're cool. Your vagina's cool. Go have sex. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, Natasha, did we answer all your questions about sex after birth? Yeah, I think so. Can't think of anything else. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. This is such an important topic. We don't talk about it enough. Keep those lines of communication open, and we hope to see you next Wednesday. And if we missed any of your questions, let us know. We'd love to answer them. See you soon. Bye. See ya. Bye.